Turn your Bibles this evening, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter number 2, 2 Kings chapter number 2. I'm going to speak this evening on how to have the spirit of Elijah, how to have the spirit of Elijah. There is a problem that is prevalent in the world today. It's as prevalent as it's ever been, and that is the lack of direction, the lack of purpose that people live their lives with. It is amazing when we talk to young people, we ask them, uh, how are you doing? And, and we, we kind of approach them and say, well, what are you going to do with your life? And we expect them to have some type of an answer, some ambition, some goal. We might say, well, you know, do you have plans to go to college? Okay, what, what college are you going to go to? And what field of study are you going to uh, pursue? And what, what direction are you going for your life? And, oh, they, maybe they say they're going to get married, and, and then what? Or, or what do you want to do for a living? And, and basically what I'm saying is that there's this ambition in the young person, and we expect it out of them, that they should have some plan, some direction, some place they're headed. But I don't know where it happens. I don't know if we, at some time as adults, we kind of, attain all of our ambition. We've, we've reached our goals and we've got a field of study or a place of work and we've got a mate and, and kids are on the way or whatever. And all of a sudden, we tend to put life in neutral. We tend to stop living on purpose and start just existing. That's how most people live their lives. They live with just a matter of just existing. You know, and as it is, the habit of humans, we tend to put things in neutral. We tend to, as it were, just drift down the river. You know, last, uh, well, in the summertime here, our family, we went on a staycation. And in our staycation, we went and uh, we did a float down, down a river. And you get in a tube and you're just sitting in there and kind of letting the river take you where you want to, where it wants to go. And you know, as you're floating down the river, sometimes that tube would kind of drift over to the side and out of the stream, and you got to kind of paddle yourself back. Sometimes it would drift you over into the rocky section, and you got to hold your uh, posterior up out of the water, or you're hitting rocks, right? You know, <laughs> oh, that hurt. Uh, you know, you're lifting up, getting over the rocks. There's times it takes you into the brush, get caught up in some tree snags or something. You know, I mean, this is fun for a float down the river, but it's not a way to live your life. It's not a way to live your life just in neutral without direction or purpose. I want you to see in our text tonight, if you would, just for start launching place here, Second Kings chapter 2 and verse number 9. He says, And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. He desired, he wanted to have the spirit that Elijah had. He wanted God to be on his life like he was on Elijah's life. He desired that and he said, listen, if, I, if, it, if it's at all possible, could that happen for me? We learned some things from Elisha and this transition of time that God gives us a picture into their lives and what took place here that might be helpful to us to know how to have the spirit of Elijah, to have that double portion. I have in my life, there's been men of God that I've looked up to, that I've 
seen God's blessing and God's hand on their life. And in my own prayer time and in my own devotions, I've asked God, would you give me a double portion of whatever you gave that man, God? Would you give me what you've blessed that man with? And tonight I want to maybe encourage you or challenge you to desire and then to know how to have the spirit of Elijah. There are many people living their lives that are shouting Capardium. But their idea of seizing the day is literally taking the opportunity to do nothing. That is, that's their mentality, that's their ambition. And that's why they're discouraged. That's why they're failing in their marriages. And that's why they're faltering spiritually. Because they're living life. I should say they're letting life happen to them instead of living life on purpose. Now, when you get out of the bed in the morning and you have direction for the day, you know what you need to accomplish and you're going after it, those days are your days that are profitable. Those days are the days that you feel successful. Those days are the days that you lay your head on pillow at night and you know the, the, the rest of a laboring man is sweet. Well, that's what we need to have when we approach life is to live it on purpose. Let's be honest tonight. We say that where God leads, he provides. That when he enlists, he equips. But we see here in this story in 2 Kings that there were a lot of people in the vicinity. There were a lot of other men that were around Elijah. There were a lot of other prophets, men that were part of the school of the prophets, that were there even in the pathway of Elijah going to the place where he was going to be taken up. And yet, there's only one person that walked away with a double portion. There's only one person that got to see the spirit of Elijah bestowed upon them. They could have received what Elijah received, but they missed it. I want you to know these other sons of the prophet that are in that region, they were taught and instructed by Elijah. They had the benefit of sitting at his feet and learning from him, this man who had a take-no-prisoner spirit. He didn't muck around. He was one that said it like it was. Even if he was talking to the king, Elijah just said it. Told him the truth, even if it was going to cost him. Elijah just told him what God said to tell him and, and said, well, whatever it is, it is. That's what God said. These men sat at his feet. They had the same master that Elisha had. They had the same message. They all knew that the master was going to be taken away. You see it in verse number 2 in this text, Second Kings chapter 2, verse number 3, sorry. He says, and the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. You see, they, they had the same message. Everybody knew that this was Elijah's last day. I don't know if they all got on the email chain or, or what happened, but everywhere they went, these prophets that were there knew that it was Elijah's time to go. And they also had access to the same mantle. 
Elijah had it with him. Beloved, I believe that if there would have been more than one that would have crossed, crossed over the Jordan River, if there would have been more than one that had enough faith and ambition and desire to go after it, that God would have blessed more than one. But there was only one that said, I want this. I want this. And I'm going to do what it takes to get it. So how do we have that spirit of Elijah? First of all, I want you to know that you've got to make it personal. You've got to make it personal. You've got to make it something that's for you and for your life and that you apply it to yourself and go after it yourself. We see beginning here, verses 1 through 4, he says, And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah unto heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. And the son of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. And Elisha said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. We see this pattern, this habit. He said, I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to step aside. I'm not going to stay here or sit back and relax or take it easy. Uh, the, the master, the leader was going down the road and many people would have looked at that as an opportunity to, hey, uh, the boss is away, the mice are going to play. We get to relax. The boss is out of town for a few days. Let's take it easy. Let's just enjoy our, our time. And he said, no, where you're going, I'm going. I'm going to be with you. He wanted to be with the master. I don't know, maybe he had taken time to build a special kind of relationship with him. For about 10 years, Elisha has been a close friend to Elijah. There's lots of other people that were students of the school. There was lots of other people around. But there's one person that said, hey, Elijah, I want to be with you. I want to be where you are. And Elijah even said, you know what? Why don't you just relax? Why don't you take it easy? Why don't you just stay here? Uh, God wants me to go do this, but you don't necessarily have to. You could, you could relax. And he says, no, I'm going with you. I'm, I'm going to go with you. And then again, he came and he said, listen, I, I, I don't know all exactly what God's doing, but God's told me to go over here. And why don't you just stay here? And he says, nope, I'm going with you. He took it on. He said, I'm, I'm going to go. I think about Christ and how he had 12 disciples. But he also had those three. The three that are known as the inner circle. Peter, James, and John. The three that were with him there in the Garden of Gethsemane. The three that were with Jesus in his greatest hours of victory and his greatest hours of torment. They were with him. I think they had taken time to develop and build a special relationship beyond just the normal beyond just oh I sat in class with him well hey you're going over here I want to go with you you're going to go do that I want to I want to do that with you I want to participate and I want to get all I can from you while you're here 
I think about those three that wanted to be with Jesus. Maybe it's because they were with him the longest. I think there could be something said there just for faithfulness. Peter, James, and John were among the first disciples. So maybe it's because they were the, the earliest or they, they, they were stayed faithful the longest that that relationship was special. So there's something to be said for faithfulness. But maybe it was that they chose, no matter what, to be with Christ. Beloved, if you're going to see the miraculous, he has to be your God. Now tonight, I believe that the folks that are here that are listening, that you're a child of God, that you know him as your Lord and Savior. But do you have the desire like Paul had where he said in Philippians 3.10 that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Are you driven to spend time with Jesus that you might know him in the power of his resurrection? Are you driven to build that relationship with him and stay close to him and be with him every opportunity you can get? Beloved, many want him as Savior for salvation. They desire to have him as a sustainer through the storm, but not really as a God that would rule their life. But if we want to see the miraculous, that's what we have to do. We must apply the message to our heart. We must ask God to feed us. We must look in the Word of God And ask the Spirit of God to apply His Word to our hearts. You know, sometimes, through the Holy Spirit's direction, I may say something that touches you right where you're at. I mean, that's... It's one of those things where people come afterwards and say, Hey, did my husband talk to you? (laughs) Did my wife talk to you? Did somebody in my family tell you what was going on in our house this week? Because you, you hit us right between the eyes. Because this was exactly what we needed tonight. But you know, not every message is going to be that way. Not every message is going to be one that is specifically through the power of the Spirit of God for you. But I believe that we can get something out of every message. If we're looking for it. I may not tailor fit the message to you in your situation in your life. I, I may not take the thought and apply it to the marriage relationship. But if there's something going on in your life, could you ask the Spirit of God to take it and apply it to the marriage relationship? I may not take it and apply it to your work conflict that you're dealing with right now. But as I'm dealing with something in the Word of God and the Lord is directing the message, maybe you could ask the Spirit of God, Lord, would you show me what you have in the Word of God tonight that would fit what I'm dealing with? And when you're looking for it, God will give it to you. Make it personal. How hungry are you? How much do you want it? You know, this last week we had uh, Thanksgiving You know, by Thursday afternoon, for most of us, there was nothing that looked good. (laughs) I mean, we had we had eaten and eaten and eaten, right? You had had put it away. I got a a text from Brother Anthony, and he said, um, 
hey, I hope that what you had done last week on Tuesday was important enough. The surgery I had, I had oral surgery last Tuesday, and he said it was important enough to have it done just before Thanksgiving. And I said, well, I actually thanked my dentist. I said, because you're helping me two ways. Because for one, you're taking care of this problem, but also I'm not going to gain any weight this weekend because I'm not going to be able to eat anything. I said, yeah. he's like, well, that's not, that was not my intention. I said, well, hey, it's helping me two ways, you know. Uh, when it hurts to eat, you don't eat too much. But see, when you're really full, you're not that, I mean, you're not that hungry. You, you're not, I mean, nothing but pie and ice cream looks good at that point. You know, it doesn't matter when you're full, right? But how hungry are you? How hungry are you? You see, Elisha was hungry. He wanted a double portion of God's blessing. He said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Notice, beloved, that he didn't ask, hey, since I'm here, could you tell all the guys that I'm the new leader of the school? He didn't say, hey, could you appoint me as the new head of the school of the prophets? Could, could you, I, I mean, I think about it like the wisest man that ever lived. When God said, what, what, what would you ask? He didn't say, make me wealthy. He didn't say, give me power. He said, God, I need wisdom. And here, this man of God wasn't saying, hey, make me popular. Give me, give me uh, you know, leadership. Set me up. No, he said, I, I want God's spirit on my life. That's what he was hungry for. If you want to have the power, the spirit of Elijah, you've got to have to want it. You're going to have to be willing to pay the price. We see several times, and we've referenced it already, but several times, he said, I will not leave thee. I will not leave thee. The, the man of God, the prophet said, oh, hey, no, you can stay here. Don't worry about it. You don't have to follow. I mean, there was nothing wrong with him staying there. But he says, no, I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to go the second mile. I'm willing to do what I have to do to be able to see God's blessing on my life. Are you willing to pay the price? To have the outpouring of God's blessing on your life? You won't be able to stop halfway. And beloved, there's always going to be places along the road you can stop. Each place they went, there was an opportunity for stop. And you know what? The other prophets did. They came into town and saw the men that were there, the school of the prophets. and Then they left town, but nobody else followed along. All the rest of those, those, those men stayed there. Then they went on to Jericho and those men, they stayed there. They didn't go across the Jordan. They hung back. We see there's times in your life you're going to have to make a decision. We see, first of all, in verse number one, that and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. He made a decision. It starts when you make a decision to move that that's what I want. That's the direction I want to go. I want a double portion of God's blessing. And I'm going to do what it takes 
Gilgal in the scriptures was known as the place of circumcision. It's the place where men made the decision to identify with God, to be part of God's people. Making the decision to say, this is what I want. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. The decision to go the direction of God and to leave this world behind. They made a choice to leave their heritage and follow God. The place where your journey begins for God is when you decide. And I'm not just talking about believing on him for salvation. I believe that's a settled issue, at least in the hearts of the people that are hearing me tonight. I hope that that's a settled issue. But I believe it's a separate issue when you make the decision that every believer has to make to say, I'm going to be totally 100% submitted and surrendered to God and God's will for my life. I'm going to surrender to that. Whatever God wants, I'm going to do it. Whatever he desires, wherever I need to go, I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter how old we are. I've seen men and ladies from really 10, 12, 13 years old all the way to 70 years old get called to the mission field. Surrender and say, God's told me it's time to go and go, go to the mission field. Just surrendering, just submitting, making that decision. That's what I want. What are you willing to do for God? We see in verse number three, they come to Bethel. Bethel, you know, is a place in the word of God that means the house of God. It's a place of devotion. It's a place where they worshiped God. Bethel was the place of consecration. It might be you just need to get back to worshiping God. Getting back to Bethel. Getting back to that place where you consecrate yourself wholly to the Lord. You made a decision to follow him a while back, but maybe you've gotten distracted and maybe you've drifted away. But now you're faced with getting back to him at Bethel. Then they come to Jericho and we've recently dealt with this and a message I'm not going to spend much time here, but they get to Jericho. You know, Jericho is a place of battle. Difficulty is going to come. Challenges are going to come. Maybe heartache is going to come. But are you going to stay faithful through it? Over and over again, they reach these places and Elisha said, nope, I'm not stopping here. I'm not stopping at the place of consecration. I'm going to keep on going. I'm not stopping when the battle arises, when the hardship comes, when the trial is here. Nope, I'm going to keep on going. Nope, I'm not, I'm not stopping here. I'm going to keep going for God. That's what he did. And they reached the Jordan in verse number 7. You know, the Jordan is a place of passing over. A place where you move into the life that God has for you as a believer. It's been pictured as a place of death. Where you die to self. Doesn't the scripture say that we're supposed to die daily? And it is the daily death that we have to die. 
Otherwise, when we wake up in the morning, we put ourselves back on the throne. We put ourselves back in control. Unless we're willing to die daily and just submit to God. But they crossed the Jordan and Elisha went with them. We see his ability to stay in the right place or the right position. Verse number seven there says, And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. You see, there were some that they were interested enough to want to know what's going on, but not interested enough to participate. Not interested enough to be there. Not interested enough to be involved. They, they wanted to watch from afar, but not really get in the place. To really get involved. You know, when you, if you want to see God do something, you've got to get in it. You've got to get in it. The chances of you having the privilege of leading somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ are zero if you don't ever attempt to do it. Boy, what a thrill it is, and you hear testimonies that people talk about, to be able to lead somebody to Christ, to be able to point them to the Savior. Man, that's amazing. But you never have any tracks with you. You haven't put any thought into preparing, and what would you say? I mean, if somebody came up to you this week and said, what must I do to be saved? Could you tell them? Have you prepared? Have you, have you got ready? Have you maybe you got a cheat sheet in your Bible or something so you could direct them and show them, hey, this is what you need to do. What I'm saying is you, if you don't get in the battle, you never get to see the victory. You never get to see what God can do with you. He stayed close to the master no matter what. What about you? How close are you? Can I say tonight, you're as close as you want to be. It's up to you and me. There is no limitations. There's nobody that has a corner on God or God's power. The same God that parted the Jordan River that day and bestowed a double portion upon Elisha of Elijah's spirit can do it for you. He can do it for me. But the problem is most of us aren't willing to pay the price to see it happen. We're too distracted by this world and too consumed with our own interest. Are you in the place that God wants you? Now I'm speaking to the Thursday night crowd, but you know there are some that they just come Sunday mornings. You know, they they miss an awful lot of what this church can offer them by just being here on Sunday mornings. They miss the camaraderie and the friendships and the, the spiritual growth that comes through consistently being fed from the Word of God and building those relationships in the house of God and that family of God that we have. You know, you don't experience the blessing unless you're in the place. Unless you're in the place. You know, one time when I was a kid, I say a kid, but it was early teen, um, I got in trouble. I know it's hard to believe. 
but I got in trouble. And I mean, like, I had to go to the police station trouble. And uh, I remember that I was in an interrogation room. The officer came in and sat down across the table from me. Now, I know you guys are wondering, what did, what did Pastor Caleb do? <laughs> yeah. I got in trouble, and the officer was sitting there, and he was questioning me about this. And I said, listen, I had nothing to do with it. I said, I didn't even agree with it. As a matter of fact, I told the other boy not to do it, that he shouldn't be doing that. And he looked at me and he said, son, you are guilty by association. It doesn't matter that you didn't touch it. It doesn't matter that you said don't do it. You were there with them, so you're just as guilty as them. I said, that's not fair, and began to cry. <laughs> I thought I was going to get out of this. <laughs> that's not, I mean, I'm a good kid. You see, I was guilty by association. You know what? You can be blessed by association. You may not even agree with what's going on. You may not even like it. But can I tell you, if you get in the right place and you get around the right people, you'll be blessed by association. You may say, but I didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, but you were in the right place and God's blessing you just like he's blessing them. What a privilege to be blessed by association. But you've got to get in the place. You know, often in, in Elisha's life, we see God tell him, I want you to get there. And there's where I'm going to feed you. I want you to get over there to the brook. The ravens are going to come and going to feed you there in that place. You know, there's a place that God wants us. Are you willing to get there? To experience the blessing of God? To see God do great things in your life. You know, there are many people here in the church that have learned the, the joy and the blessings of giving. They, they've come to the place they realize that you can't outgive God. It's just a miraculous thing. It's amazing what God does. But you know, if you don't ever start giving, you can never experience that. If you don't ever take that step, if you don't ever, you say, well, I want to experience that. I want to know what God will do, but he's going to have to do it up front. Well, that's not how it works. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. Give and it shall be given unto you. We've got to submit and yield to God first, and then we begin to experience his blessing. Do what he's asked of us, what he's called us to do. Just do it. Do you enjoy being around God's people? How fast are you out the door after church? I praise the Lord that we have, uh, we've got a fellowship in church. And that when church is over, there's people hanging around here for a long time. Sometimes I'm like, man, I want to go home. <laughs> I have been here literally talking to church members till after 10 o'clock on a Thursday night, 10 p.m. <laughs> now, 
listen, I don't, and I'm not talking about, you know, counseling Brother Anthony. That happens all the time. But, <laughs> but I mean, just fellowshipping, just talking, you know, just hanging out in the foyer, just chatting. And uh, just talking, I, I, that's, you know, it's a sign of a healthy church. God's people enjoy being together. Went down to the hospital today and was sitting with Nelma and George, and they took Nelma in for her surgery, and they're probably still there. Uh, but uh, sat with George for about an hour and a half in the waiting room, just talking to him, you know, just talking, fellowship. And do you enjoy being with God's people? Or you say, man, I can't wait to get out of here. There are some churches, it's amazing, when we go like on Christmas vacation and stuff, we'll go visit somewhere, and uh, church is over, and literally within 10 minutes, the lights are off, and the door's locked, and, and I mean, I'm just thinking, wow, I guess we didn't come to get in. We came to get out. Get around God's people, and you'll be blessed by association. Let some of that, iron sharpeneth iron, but you got a fellowship for that to happen. You got to spend time with God's people. Are you in a position to be blessed by God? Only you know if you are. You're not if you're not in church. You're not if you're not in the book. You're not if you're out in the world. But you can be if you want to be. You just got to get to that place. Decide that's where you want to be. It's something that as a young man, I desired passionately to see God do something miraculous in my life. But I wonder if somewhere along the line, I lost some of that passion. If somewhere along the line in the fulfillment of what God called me to do, I maybe stopped pursuing what it was really all about. And that was getting with him and experiencing his blessing. We get so busy doing, we forget about being. So tonight I hope you desire to have that. The spirit of Elijah. A double portion of what God put upon him can be put upon your life. But it's going to cost them. You've got to be willing to pay the